of Librarians Allowed, an independent podcast presented by the Academic and Special Library section of the Library Association of Ireland. I'm your host, Laura Rooney-Ferris. So this is another um, of the recordings from our intrepid field reporter, Tom Marr. Tom talked to Siobhan Britton at the Radical Librarians meeting in Brighton back in July. So you can even hear the, the lovely Brighton seagulls in the background. Siobhan is an art librarian and an artist, and she talks to Tom among other things, about non-traditional library collections, about zines and art books, and the value of unique collections. Hello, I'm joined by... Siobhan. Uh, I'm a librarian at St Peter's House Library, which is part of Brighton University. Uh, I mostly deal with um, arts and humanities students. Thank you for joining me, Siobhan. Um, So... Art librarian uh, and artist. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did you, yeah. Uh, how did you get your start in uh, libraries? Tell me a bit about the early, uh, early yeah. the early years. Yeah. Um, okay, so I did a fine art degree uh, down here in Brighton um, from 2004 to 2007. Uh, and I'd never really thought about, it wasn't like a conscious thing. I, I think it's just quite common with a lot of like, library people. It's not yeah. like a conscious thing to become a, a librarian it certainly wasn't for me um and i after i graduated it was kind of as the sort of uh crash happened and um it was really hard to find employment so i was kind of unemployed for most of a year after i graduated and i got to the point where uh the job center were basically like right you have to do some kind of work experience pick something you want to do and we'll get you the work experience yeah um and i had i was just like, oh shit I, I had no kind of idea i was like what am i going to do um, and I thought, oh yeah, working in a library, that looks like it would be all right. Like, no yeah. kind of conception really of like yeah. actually what it was. But Did you like, you know, as a child, were you there consuming books in the public yeah. library, kind of typical? Yeah, I mean, I, I went to the library a lot as a kid and also I, I was always, I read, I was like obsessed with reading as a child. Right? Mm-hmm. And it was constantly like, my, just, you know, typical again, like face in a book, like, um, all of the time. And I thought, yeah, it looks okay. Um it could be interesting and I started volunteering at the University of Sussex in their special collections um, and archives which was pretty amazing there's mm. like loads of really cool stuff there they have um, the mass observation archive which is a kind of it's, it's um it's like a sort of project that started off I think it was like around the time of the second World war where people were like anonymously asked to write about um, different subjects it could be like what do you think about the war what do you think about um you know homosexuality what do you think about oh, wow. and so they had like a sort of sample quite a wide sample of people from like different class backgrounds different genders um and people write in and there's just people's opinions um at certain points in time of, mm. of kind of like it's, it's a really like interesting way to see what people's kind of opinions yeah, and stuff sure. were at any given point in time um what's the, what's the date range on that uh, it goes it's still running it's, it's, a, still... it's a going concern yeah oh, wow. So um, that's really cool, and they have like Virginia Woolf papers and yeah. um, lots of lots of stuff like that. Um, so I sort of worked there for a bit, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I was applying, started to apply for jobs, and at that point, I was applying for jobs in archives and libraries because I just want to get a job. Um, 
and eventually I was uh, I was I sort of got a job at the V&A um, National Art Library, so the Victoria and Albert Museum. They have a National Art Library. I had no idea this existed until I yeah. got the job there, yeah. <laughs> which is terrible considering you know, I'm an arts graduate. Um, but I got the job there and I moved up to London. So I did that for a year. That was my like trainee year. Um, and it was how I yeah I mean I I didn't know art librarianship was a Mm -hmm. thing but I was kind of like okay actually this is good this is what I want to do this is very much my interest and I mean the the collections at the National Art Library are just pretty amazing like there's some really great stuff there especially the sort of artist books collection um so I did that for a year it's a good mix of contemporary and uh kind of more traditional kind of absolutely yeah stuff. and they have like yeah i mean the collection in general is a really like you know they have really old stuff and you know and they get they get all the sort of contemporary books about art in mm. as well so it was really like working with that kind of material and having access to that material yeah was just amazing and you know it's, it was it's quite a strange library because obviously it's in a museum mm. um all the, it's like closed stack access so you, I spent most of my time running up and down the stairs, fetching books, putting books in a lift. Yeah. And um, I had this like, absolute like horror show experience where I got in the special collections there they have some like, amazingly valuable material and yeah. I was a bit hasty putting it was a letter from um Swift, I think he was he'd written to yeah. someone. It was in a piece of Melanex and I sort of shoved it into the to the lift to send it down and it almost fell in between the gap of the book lift Ooh. and the the little lift tray itself yeah. where I was just like oh, that absolute heart attack material yeah. <laughs> um pretend it didn't happen yeah uh, I've forgotten about that until now actually <laughs> um so that was a really cool year and yeah, would you get a lot of um you, you would see a lot of users a lot of like people coming in requesting stuff yeah um, yeah it would it was constant go 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 it was it was busy yeah, yeah. it would often be really busy um like and it's kind of people who are like independent researchers. You got you got some really like strange inquiries and kind mm. of um, unusual requests. Um, yeah. So that was quite cool, but um, quite different to uh, academic libraries which I work in now. So a couple of years after that, I got a library assistant job um, at the University of the Arts London, so mm-hmm. Chelsea College of Art. And again, that's another um, amazing. They have an amazing collection of artist books there, uh, which. Are just are just fantastic so again getting to work with that sort of really interesting material mm. that sort of was relevant to my sort of interests yeah, um, sure. was really cool uh and then I like like a lot of places uh, after 2010 um and the sort of fees restructure and the kind of Tory government um we got restructured at work mm-hmm. and I got the opportunity to move into um the bibliographic services department so that's kind of doing cataloging like processing new books um doing sort of the ordering on behalf of all the different because ual is made up of six different libraries so okay. like all the art schools so big most of the big art schools in london are part of the university and um yeah and then i learned to sort of catalog when i was working there mm-hmm. so i was doing a lot of cataloging um and it was on the job yeah yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and at, at the same time I decided you know but I've been working in libraries for a while by that point and I decided it would be a good time to do the to, to do the MA to do the library and information studies MA um so I started doing that in 2011 um at UCL in London um and it was hard work at first like I, yeah. I found it like the first year was really boring um 
I did not enjoy it. It felt like a real slog. I was just like, I hate this. Yeah. You know, you spend all day working in a library and then you go home and you spend all evening writing about libraries. And it just felt like it took over my life. I was just like, oh. Yeah. Um, what was that then? Were there a lot of people doing a part-time like that? Yeah, yeah. quite a few of us, yeah. yeah. Like, um, I met some really good friends there um, when I was doing my course. Um, and yeah, quite a few people do it part-time. I mean, one of the reasons I did it part-time is partly because I could never have afforded to <laughs> give yeah, up sure. work for a year um, or even just work part-time um, in London. Um, and I was lucky enough to get some money from work that sort of part-funded it. So mm-hmm. that helped. But I was doing the MA and doing working in this um, sort of cataloging and sort of um, bib services department at UAL for that whole time. Yeah. And um, it was good. It was it was kind of it was it was complimentary like have, knowing how to do the cataloging from doing my job made the second year of the course which is when you studied cataloging classification it made it so much easier yeah because i had like a really practical way yeah, of doing it, it. it informed your yeah your practice a lot yeah um, so that was good but um it was the second year it was at UCL was much better i had a really great um tutor called Anne and welsh um who teaches the historical bibliography module which is really interesting um like history of the book history of the sort of printing press stuff like that yeah, um, sure. which would kind of tie into all the artist books yeah a hundred percent and like you, you do there's like quite a big capacity to kind of write about like artist books and like kind mm. of that as part of there was as part of that module so i really enjoyed that mm. um and so that was sort of in 2012 2013 yeah. so, um and then i uh decided to write my dissertation about uh, zine libraries mm-hmm. um so also when I was working in the cataloging department um that was based at London College of Communication and in the library at London College of Communication they have an absolutely fantastic zine collection mm, um, yeah. which is really really cool so I was doing the cataloging for like a lot of the zines because the people who I worked with didn't really have the same interest in zines as yeah. I did and were like what the hell is this yeah. how the hell do I catalogue this you know yeah. and obviously like cataloging standards are not made for zines like this is not like it's it does not work you know and you're yeah. trying to kind of you know you're trying to sort of best describe stuff and it's like this is absolutely useless this is completely rubbish this is untitled by yeah. anonymous yeah. Uh, no date uh, yeah. yeah and you know it's not like you know with cataloging you're supposed to take everything like literally off the title page mm-hmm. and you can't do that i mean you know there's no fucking title page like it's yeah. kind of there's just no title page it's 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 not what it is so british library doesn't get sent like record by the publishing company like yeah no so i so that was that kind of really was really useful when i was writing my dissertation to have mm. that knowledge and that access and i mean you know zines have been something as in terms of like the art that i make and the kind of stuff that i do i've you know i've, I've been a sort of zine maker and collector um for um quite a long time since I was a teenager so to be able to like sort of tie that into the work I do um makes things a lot more interesting yeah for sure I bet um did you get into zines through music through fanzines through art books through yeah like when I was a teenager I read about um I mean I'd go to like punk shows when I was quite young but and there were some people selling zines there but I think it was when I got into zines, it was a period... I mean, I think there's been a real resurgence in them now. You know, they've mm. become a big kind of... There's a real... And I think the internet has sort of helped it. But at that point in time, people were like, I'm going to abandon zines and I'm going to just do everything online. And yeah. it felt like that. Um, but I read about 
remember like reading about Riot Girl um, when I was a teenager and like seeing scans of the um, bikini, the early bikini kill zines, and yeah. I was just like, oh my god, I need, I need to see this, and, and I, I love the idea of just being able to make something like that, like just do it and kind of put something out there and publish it yourself and not yeah. kind of um, not have to worry about you know anyone else's kind of opinions or whether you know yeah, they would sure. publish you or not so I, I i was really into that and that and from that sort of artistic side um like artist books and like things like that i mean artists i mean there's a lot of contention now between like when are things a zine and when when are they not and i certainly like this is a big i mean so, i mean one of the things i find i see now especially like when i'm buying because I, I buy stuff special collections items at work yeah. in my current job um uh and there are a lot of people who are calling things zines, and I think they're more like artist books. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm. So, I, I don't think if, if it's fifteen pounds, I don't think it's a zine. Like. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and it's fine. You know, people can self-identify yeah. what they make how they want, but it's it's and it's certainly down here in Brighton where there um there's there are really strong illustration and graphic design courses. Right. A lot of the students are making what they call zines, but when I look at them, yeah. I'm like, nah. it's like a portfolio of their work. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of made as a kind of like a, uh, like a, putting themselves, uh, putting themselves and their work out there, like as artists. Like a show than, case. It's not yeah, scrappy it's, and kind of, hmm. yeah, it's my opinion, like, it's kind of, you know, these are like lovely rosographed kind of yeah, sure. fancy, good quality paper, like not made on a photocopier, like yeah. not, not, probably not, like. Um, and so do you kind of draw the line there that there's a certain list of characteristics that apply to zines either some of them or all of them or one of them or whatever and if enough of them apply to an item then you kind of say oh this is a zine like it's yeah. never going to be published it's photocopy there's no spine it's yeah. like yeah I mean I, I, I think everyone like when if you if you make zines you're involved with them you will have your you have your own definitions about yeah what they are and they're not and um like for me I mean I think it's a really like there's a really fluid you know mm. um line uh, about what is and what isn't and like things cross over and overlap and yeah. um but I mean for me it's about like it's about like how they're made like the kind of quality that they're made with um and yeah like the price as well like I think anything over a fiver is moving into mm. That's artist books territory, in my opinion. But yeah. I mean, even if it looks like a zine, like, yeah. and it's kind of you know, it's a sort of pamphlet or whatever, it's still not necessarily one. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's something. I mean, like, you know, when you see it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, and I think it's interesting when you think about library collections and, and zines, and yeah. um, obviously, like if you work somewhere like London College of Communication or somewhere where there's a budget for that you can pick and choose what you have in mm. your collections. But if you're relying on donations, so for example, mm. like Salford Zine Library in Manchester, um, you know, that's a donation-led um, yeah. kind of thing. So you can't, I mean, and it's, it's weird because, again, talking about like, applying library science stuff to something like zines, um, putting a collection policy in place for them is yeah. really um, tough because, you, you know, you can say... It's not like when you write one for books, you're like this, 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 and this. It's more there are all these kind of grey areas and weird things you can't really account for. Yeah, for sure. So it, it's different, and um, it's yeah. I think it's really. I mean, I'm really, I'm very interested in that. Like how how you, as a sort of librarian who does a lot of collection stuff, 
how do you get those kind of um, unconventional materials, which can be, you know, are so valuable and so, like, not just not just as visual not, and like object based things, but just like the content of them, you know, yeah. um, they're real sort of markers of things that happened at certain points in time. They're primary source they're historical abs- documents, like yeah, hundred um, percent. And I feel really strongly about that. And I think one of the things that I've, I find as an academic librarian um, is. Th- the way that, and someone who works with arts and humanities students specifically, there's this sort of monoculture of like, well, we'll just buy everything from Dawson's, like, you know, nothing mm. is gonna, um, like, you know, we just get everything from here. And it's like, like to try and, to try and get stuff from like non sort of uh, traditional academic sources, like everyone is against you. Like the finance department are like, what the hell is this? You know, yeah. you, you know. What you, do you mean this person yeah. won't give us an invoice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, invoice for fifty pence, and and I, it annoys me because also like I think if you're in the position, obviously if if you're running a kind of volunteer-led donation-based library, that's completely legit, and this is in no way a criticism of that. But if you're in a position where you can pay people for your work, especially when you're using your work's money, yeah. do it. Like people should, you know, artists should be paid for what they do, and I, I believe really strongly in that. And so I don't feel, even though I could probably say and ask for, you know, ask the students for help, I could say like, could you donate a copy of? what you make to us that would be great I wouldn't feel right doing it because I think they should be paid for their work Mm -hmm. and I think certainly like in academic libraries yeah this kind of like mono mono culture (laughs) and like the push to get everything as an ebook um is something I'm not a massive fan of yeah um at all and I think especially with the arts based stuff because even now print is still Mm -hmm. like the king it's not yeah and do you guys uh, have artist books and zines in general circulation or, or did you have time? Um... No, I've never worked anywhere where anything like that has not been outside of special collections. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's, there's, you know, it's a, it's a funny one because sometimes it seems like the antithesis of like what a zine is and what it's meant yeah. to be, you know, this kind of ephemeral thing that's yeah. like a lot of my thesis my master's thesis was about that like you know mm. at what point do you kind of like yeah when is it you know and, and some people you know there were, when I was doing my research uh there were, there were people there were zine makers who were like I don't want my stuff to be in a library collection yeah and I can get that too like I can get it too but I mean so there's something they made circulated to their friends and yeah. never intended or no. they just object to the institutionalisation yeah. of it. Yeah. No, and I get that. And I think it's why it's really good that there were projects like Salford Zine Library and um, like 56A, um, the social centre in Elephant and Castle, um, where if you don't, you know, if you maybe if you weren't comfortable with the academic environment, there's still somewhere where your, mm. your, your zines can go and kind of be appreciated that isn't necessarily the same kind of like yeah. hierarchical... Uh, rules kind of rules based uh limited and i i think it's i think it's it's interesting as well because librarians generally especially the ones that i know who work with special collections um it's always a struggle between having to keep everything sort of locked away but also really wanting people to see it and like how you get people to see stuff i mean my current my current like massive struggle in my current job is the fact that we have loads of we have really strange special collections where i work it's a real mishmash of stuff like Mm -hmm. We have like we have like a catalogue for like the Sinclair C five you know, that weird little 
motor trike thing that was going to be the revolution in transport in the 70s. We've got one of those. And then oh, we've also... Like, like three-wheeled Yeah, the little three-wheeled car thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bean. Yeah, so we've got one of those. And we've got, like, a book from the 1500s, which has... We have nothing else like that in our collection, but it's there. Yeah. Um, lots of, like, um, artist books, um, which are really cool. But it's just a real mishmash of stuff. But the catalogue records for them are rubbish. There's literally no nothing useful in the descriptions but apparently redoing them is not a good use of time so it's this kind of struggle to how do we promote what we've got which is really cool and really good and would be really useful for a lot of our students how do you promote that because they're not going to find it on the catalogue then yeah. i don't know who thinks yeah you know, oh i'll do a search for special in the special there's a special like search you can do oh i'll just do that search and then oh, I'll, no one's going to do that like yeah. it's not um it's not how it's going to work. So I, I, I kind of try and I stick a lot of stuff on our library Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and on our just kind of Facebook page. Yeah. yeah, photos of interesting stuff that yeah. I find when I'm rooting yeah. about in the in the stacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just do that. But it's it's difficult. It's kind of because mm-hmm. I mean I, I've I, like I said my background is very much in that kind of library and like kind of and like libraries where special collections have been really like a really important part of of the library and have been very well used and to try and like do that in my current job it's been really interesting to, yeah for sure to try and make it more more of a thing yeah so then so then the next thing I did I worked at, I finished my MA um yeah. in 2013 and I <laughs> a couple of months after that I got a job, my first professional, professional post yeah. as a systems librarian, <laughs> which was terrifying. I, I'm i glad I did it. Um, I'm glad I had the experience to do it, um, the, the opportunity to do that. Um, but I, I will not lie, a lot of the time I was like, I do not know what is happening. Please nothing break. I, yeah. Please nothing break. And I spent a lot of time getting really angry with like 3M self-service machines. Um and just getting really pissed off with that. Um, like most people had to do Yeah, but then it was actually like my fault. It was actually oh, like something yeah, I was yeah. supposed to, be to fix and right. I'd just be like, oh God, this is terrible. So I did that for a couple of months and then I saw, um, and it was, it was, it was good and it was interesting and it's, it, I think it's been really useful because you can kind of see how, to see how the sort of back ends of things work. Yeah. Um, it gives you a better understanding of everything else. And it was like as a secondment, but from my cataloging job. Mm-hmm. But as... When that happened, uh, when I when I was doing that, I, I realised that I really missed working with stuff. And, and, and I mean, I hadn't worked with students for years because obviously yeah. in the bib services job, you're not doing any desk work, you're not in, in the library. Yeah. So I hadn't actually worked with students for years, but I missed working with staff. And I thought I would quite like to get back into working with students and, and researchers and staff again. So I saw this job uh, for an academic sort of assistant librarian post come up down here in Brighton. And obviously I'd lived in Brighton before um, when I was a student and I went for it on a bit of a whim, not really thinking anything mm. would come of it because I didn't, you know, I hadn't worked with students for years. I kind of didn't think I would get it. Yeah. And then I got offered the job um, and I ended up moving back down here in October in um, 2014. Yeah. And I've been here ever since doing the same thing. Um, and I like it, like the students and the staff where I work are mostly fantastic. Um, it's a nice team of people. Uh, and it's it's yeah it's good. I'm, I'm glad. It's nice to it's nice to be back talking to human beings again, yeah. not just staring at a three M machine or a sort of mark record. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
do you find uh, that your work, you know, you're kind of saying that working with artist books and stuff mm. like that informs a lot of your own uh, work with artist books, uh, like yeah. kind of making them. Do you find that working with students, um, you kind of form relationships around like your kind of shared love of a particular kind of art or like, do you find like have working relationships come from your just kind of service relationship with students? Uh, it's, it's funny because even in my job, like because of the way we work, we don't like students, we, have, we are librarians and they're supposed to kind of come to us. We don't do that much desk work. Right. So I don't see people that regularly, but I really, it, some of the inquiries that we have, um, that uh, I do, I, I like, I, I think, I do think, I know that the theory is, oh, you train as a librarian, you should be able to answer any question on any subject and just find the information. But I, I think having, I think having specialist subject knowledge definitely helps. Mm. Um, I, I would say it really helps me in, in my job and I enjoy it. Like, you know, I can talk to the students about the yeah. art, I can kind of chat to them about what's going on um, and I sort of know what they're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Um, which I like. Um, also, I, I've been doing more kind of um, specialised sessions for some of the, the courses okay, and the really, students. Yeah. So I've been working with um, members of academic staff to kind of... Because we, like, we do very generic information literacy training at work. Okay. So I've been trying to do more more specific things um, based around... Uh, like The last one I did was about... Um, the artist Eric Gill, he was not a good man, um, but is very lauded for his art that he made, like his typography and his sculpture. Right. He's really, really reprehensible. It was a reprehensible, awful creature. Um, and we did a session looking at like using information resources in the library to sort of think about whether you can be like using him specifically as a case. Can you be like a terrible person but make really good art? And like you right. know, thinking about those kind of things. So I'm doing that at the moment, and that's quite cool. And um good feedback yeah, yeah really but, good yeah. and it's nice to sort of talk to the students not just stand there and go here's the library catalogue no 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 like it's nice to actually <laughs> yeah. do something that seems more relevant to them rather than just generic stuff um yeah for sure and also i've been doing like more stuff with the special collections so sessions like looking at some of the items we have in it like how artists document their work um okay great um and I'm hoping to do some like drop-in sessions where I just get a load of cool stuff out on a table and go, come and look at this, it's amazing. So um, yeah. I'm trying, but it's... And is that stuff that you have to push for yourself or is there yeah, a but... mandate there kind of that you can plug into? or? It's something I've sort of... I, I, I kind of... I have I've pushed a bit because I, mm. I, I think I think there's a space for it and I think it's... Yeah. And, it, and it's based on stuff I've seen other like li- librarians I've worked with in the past do. Like... Um, at Chelsea, like Gustavo, who's the librarian there, who deals with the special collections, he used to do a lot of like drop-in sessions and mm. um, sessions using material in the collection that supported projects that the students were doing. So okay, it would be like yeah. they were looking at like artist sketchbooks, and they yeah. looked at some of the like Livadier arty like the yeah. um, stuff in the collection. So it's kind of it's based on that. And yeah, you can point to that and say, "Listen, yeah, like, I know it worked." Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. No, definitely like things I've and like the zine collection at LCC like the, what Leila did there and the kind of teaching and the way that it yeah. was really promoted to the students who are like graphic design especially because it's London College of Communication mostly graphics and illustration and stuff and the, yeah the way that it was like seeing what other people I've worked with have done with their collections and kind of ripping them off basically yeah. <laughs> but with uh with our stuff so is that a kind of a passive relationship then you have with other are librarians or is it a kind of an active one, you know, kind of chatting mm-hmm. on mailing lists and meeting up and stuff like that? Or When I lived in London, 
Yeah, more so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite a small and specialised world, and yeah, quite a lot of the librarians, art librarians, work at work at UAL. So if you work there, okay, you great. kind of know everyone. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, no, uh, I was quite like Arliss, who are the art libraries society um, over here. That they're good. Um, I would, I mean, I would recommend joining them over Silip. Um, <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Uh, so they do some good stuff. They didn't have a co- they were supposed to have a conference this year in Dublin and it didn't happen. Oh, fuckers. Yeah, I was gutted about that because I, I, I was like, yes, go yeah. to Dublin, but no, it didn't happen. But, so, um, oh, so they're like British Isles, they're not just no, Great yeah. Britain. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. Um, but um, it's, it's, it, they're, they're quite good, they do quite interesting things. Um, and it's yeah, it's a good way to meet other art library people. There's um there's the UK Zine Librarian like UK and Ireland now, I think. But it's um yeah, you changed that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went there. Um yeah. and there's the mailing list for that, which is you know, that's useful I think. And yeah, every, if you ever organise a meetup. If uh, it ever happens, yeah. If it ever happens. But um that's cool. Uh and just, I think Twitter is, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like the Radical Library stuff, which is why you're here this weekend, um, that's kind of another way, I mean, that's not just art librarians, but yeah. it's definitely... It's definitely a kind of person yeah. that gets into art librarianship, yeah. and there's a lot of crossover there, maybe, yeah. Yeah, so, um, it was, no, it was, uh... Yeah, there's Facebook groups and stuff like that as well, I Yeah, think, it, yeah there's a lot of different ways. It's, it's good, and I mean, yeah. I think generally, like, library you sort of find your people and um yeah. like i have yeah like i feel like i like like, like like i feel like quite distinctly like there's sort of art library people who are great and yeah sure like like professionally and personally like people who are just really and like yeah like the radical like shout out to radical librarians yeah. best um and you sort of find your people and um you kind of you sort of stick with them and yeah it's good like i think i think i think definitely like one of the nice things that I would never have thought about when, you know, years ago when I was on the doll in the job centre and they were like, pick something to do for work experience. Yeah. I was like, library. I wouldn't have thought I would have met like so many like really good sound people mm. um, through a job, you know. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, work is work. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's good. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good field to be in. So. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Um, I mean, how do you feel like, your work is viewed by other non-art artists, librarians, or like you know, planning and admin staff or management. Like, is it kind of a begrudging relationship they have, <laughs> I think or it's... is there you know a real sense of like the value? No, the... I don't think it's value. I don't think people know that it's specialised a lot of the time. I don't think. I think when people hear librarian, they are like, oh, it's you stamp books or something. Like, it's quite. I think mm. they realise how, especially like people. Oh, and why would you if you're not a librarian? You're yeah, not going to sure. know there's all these specialisations and weird things you mm. can you can do and end up supporting. But um, no, I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think it's it's not valued. But I mean, I think it's just a wider part of culture. In I mean, I'm talking very much as someone who works in HE um, about like how not just librarians but like support staff generally mm-hmm. are, are, val- are valued or not. I think. Yeah. You know, we're not seen as maybe we're not we're not valued as much as we should be. Yeah, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, because you know, begrudgingly they pay us. Like, yeah. Oh. I mean, you mentioned higher education specifically yeah. there. Have you had 
any interaction with public librarians trying to incorporate artist books or zines into their work or no, do you specialist know, librarian? Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I haven't. I, I think it's really interesting because in the States, obviously you have public libraries with big zine collections like Salt Lake City um, mm. and, you know, they lend them out there and they have yeah. them in general circulation yeah. and there's just not that here but I think with public libraries in this country it's because of the way everything's tied down by the local authorities right. and increasingly it's privatised. Like, you know, increasingly pu- public library staff have no control over stock selection. Right, it's tied to tenders and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and like, just like, oh, you know, here's a list of, you know, the suppliers will supply... Mm these books there's not that kind of capacity I don't think you know the way that this, public libraries are sort of systematically being run down in this country so the mm. thought of the you know anyone being given any money to do something like a zine library is sadly pretty much unthinkable I think which really yeah. sucks but yeah didn't Salford get like a small grant from the local council to get their Salford, website or... they did so so Steve um and Liz who and um Ingrid and Cherry who are the people that do Salford Zine Library um a couple of years ago, they got an Arts Council grant um, okay. to do some cataloguing to set up the website. Um, and, you know, Salford Zine Library is doing really well. It's a great website. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Um, I, I think, especially considering, you know, it's it's a, it's not an academic, um, it's, mm. not, it's not sitting within a bigger, like, official library structure. Yeah, They've yeah. done everything. It's all been done by them. And, yeah. and it's amazing. And it's really, and yeah, if you're ever in Manchester, it's not actually in Salford. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a source of confusion yeah. for me at one point. Yeah. yeah, it's actually in in the Northern Court in Manchester, but I would I would recommend everyone go. Um, it's yeah, lovely. Sure. It's a lovely space to spend some time and look at the zines. So yeah, definitely. I've never been to Manchester, but it's definitely on go. my list. Yeah. You should go. It's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah, they got. I think it's difficult because even since I wrote my I, when I wrote my dissertation, I did I studied three kind of institutional zine collection libraries, uh, zine mm-hmm. libraries, zine collections within libraries, and three like. DIY ones and of the three DIY ones like two of them were essentially no no and then there were two which were like basically collections in people's houses um that they called their own archive or they called their own library um and in that time that two like one of the zine libraries that I wrote about the DIY ones has has, has gone like because Mm. the shop it was in shut down and nobody knows where the collection's gone fuck yeah so (laughs) so um it's that's the thing I mean it's sort of you know the especially like at the moment and in London and like most cities like you know it's illegal to squat anywhere that's um residential now mm. uh like property speculation and kind of not that it stops people but, no yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop people but because <laughs> yeah. it's so because it's so temporary now like it's really hard to set up a long-term autonomous yeah. kind of space um it's you know it, it sucks it kind of there's less I think there's less so the ones that are there have been there for donkeys. Yeah, years, I mean, like fifty six A has been, yeah. you know, now it's like it's been there so long; it's kind of permanent. Yeah, that, is, that started as a squat, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. eventually, like, I don't divide it up and turn it into like a housing thing by yeah. the council. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's no a, I, there. it's it's um it's something like that. And yeah. Now they kind of they sort of own it yeah but i mean you also have things like the feminist library which is just up the road in lambeth in mm. um, near elephant and castle um and that is you know the the count southwark council who are like wholesale the, that whole area like elephant and castle which used to, which is where i used to work um in london which is for years and years as you know everyone's like this is this place is a stain like oh it's hideous you know they knocked down the big estate that used to be there mm-hmm. moved everybody out and all the 
council tenants out and they're now building like these massive luxury flats that no one can afford to live in um and yeah the feminist library is just up the road from there and southwark council are sort of forcing them out they're putting the rent up they mm-hmm. can't afford to pay it. um and that has a zine collection um and is that ongoing their kind of struggle to like it's happening now yeah. yeah i mean i think it was july i think they've got until the end of the month in the building if they can't find the right. rent i think they might be out but it's i mean it's all online like you should there's like a campaign yeah about it let's like, save the feminist library um yeah on good stuff and i mean already like there was the women's library which used to be a specialist mm-hmm. um library in oldgate and a couple of years ago london met who were the university that sort of ran it we're like no we need that building out right, you go and now the collection's housed at lse so it's 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 gone from having a specialist purpose-built building yeah to yeah to that. and that's i think that's one of the real struggles with like mm. trying to set up something like especially somewhere like london yeah i mean london yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. just like it's yeah it's why well, well yeah i mean i left for a reason <laughs> like yeah. sure yeah, it's uh it's it's hard it's hard it's and i think yeah going back to like librarianship um one of the concerns that i i have massively about librarianship is the fact that and it's not a diverse profession anyway like it's mm. you know there's that silip survey where it's like mostly you know it's it's very white it's very middle class um but there were gonna there were so many like active barriers to people i think anyone who want to get into it mm. like now um especially like you know if you want to especially like if you wanted to do something in london um <laughs> yeah. if you wanted to work in one of the like and you know a lot of the jobs are in London because a lot of jobs are in London if you have quite specialised yeah. uh, interests or and you know there's just a lot of academic libraries there but the money that you get paid and <laughs> the cost of living mm, don't always match up and yeah. and then you know if you want to do the qualification it's like nine grand now I don't yeah, know how right. you I couldn't afford that now yeah, yeah and I think it's just it's, it's so I do think like there's this potential for librarianship to become a sort of hobby job. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of it's like a lot, there are quite a lot of librarian jobs. So I just think, how could you like? This is scandalous. Like, how can you pay people that? Like, yeah. <laughs> but um, I can see things really, things really going that way. And I think it's, yeah, for sure. I think it's gonna be damaging for the future of the of as a profession. Yeah. Because we're gonna have it's not gonna. I mean, it's like it's not diverse now. That's only gonna get worse. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not gonna. It's not gonna be good. But um. And do you feel like that's something that is particularly obvious in london but present all over britain yeah or yeah um or all over, yeah not it's not just a british thing no. but like yeah no um, i mean I, like I, rural kind of yeah areas sort of yeah yeah i mean i'd say i mean i i, I saw it very much in london because yeah. it's where i was living and it was very obvious to me mm. but no it's just um it yeah it, it sucks it's kind of i mean we were talking earlier about like how work is valued um Mm -hmm. and i think i mean we're seeing it in public libraries like we see the way the cuts and the way that you know they're like okay we'll just get some volunteers to run this now um and you see it there um and i think this is only like you know we can those of us who work in academic libraries we can sort of be a bit like well i'm all right and it's like but i don't know like um, but you know yeah first they came for the public librarians <laughs> and I said nothing <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true and that I, I do think it's why like to, going back to like rad, radical library stuff radical librarian stuff um, I think those making I mean and it's funny because you know the thing yesterday there was no one there who was a public librarian mm. um, but I think it's I think it's important to like link up yeah for link sure. up your struggles um, 
have have there been public librarians involved in the past? Yeah, yeah. There, there are there are people or who are involved in the group. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just who can make a meeting, you know, yeah. as well. And chances are that often, I mean, when I when I rented out the badge machine for the event, <laughs> the um, woman who rented me the machine was like, "Oh, my partner would love to come to this. Um, she's a librarian." Um, but she's working on Saturday. <laughs> so oh, I was like, right. oh, I was like, damn, I was like, it would have been so good to see you. But yeah. Yeah, so I think it's kind of, there are, no, there are public librarians involved, but it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it's like, tricky. from an organisational point of view, whether it's an academic library, public library, or a group like RLC, mm. do you think there are ways in which you can kind of plug that diversity gap um, in like, just a, like a practical fashion? Like, is it, is it kind of, like I'm sure it's not a, a quick fix or whatever. But <laughs> no, I mean, um, I think it's something that I mean it came up kind of yesterday about mm. in in the meeting about like barriers to engagement. And I mean, I don't have any, I, I, and some of it's like material stuff, like in terms of like, can you afford to do this job? Like, yeah. can you afford to do the qualification? But some of it's like a bigger cultural thing, I think. Mm. And like, and I think it's a difficult thing because people. Yeah, like pe- pe- like choosing to engage in something called choosing to... I can see why people don't. Like, I can see why people are like, I do this, this is my job, I don't want to engage beyond that. Yeah. I can totally get that. But I think I think it's important that we do because yeah, <laughs> like this this stuff is happening, right? This, is, this, this, yeah. this, this shit is bad. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so I, I definitely, anyone who's listening, recommend, like, come to the Radical Librarians meetings. Um, yeah. And it has linking up with um, linking up with like you know migrant rights groups or mm. kind of housing uh, networks or kind of homeless action or something like that or like just kind of offering services as information professionals to those yeah. organizations like that could be a way of definitely you know, I think it's something I yeah. mean let's talk about working with like open rights group yesterday yeah. and I think yeah like and I, you know we with the radical librarians meetings we have them in radicals in I mean the London and Southeast group which is the most sort of active regional group we have the meetings in radical monthly meetings in like the Cowley Club mm. down here in Brighton and also up in a uh, lark mm-hmm. uh, up in Oldgate in London um so they're both radical spaces and other groups use those spaces yeah. and hopefully yeah, I think that's definitely a, a way forward, like a way to mm-hmm. a way to go. Because again, like if these sort of struggles are all yeah interconnected. Do you get the sense that those other groups suffer from similar diversity problems? Um, I couldn't say. I don't. Say, yeah. I I wouldn't want to know. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I think with activist groups and my previous experience in other things I've done, um, you often you get a, you get a point where it's like the same people. Who involved in stuff and it's yeah. just it, it's just the sort of nature of what it is i guess but it's uh, yeah it's kind of i suppose social networks propagate themselves yeah and when you they do and also you make friends with people and like i think i, I imagine that like if you were from outside of the group you, if you didn't know the group of people you might feel a bit mm. you know because i mean the people i know in rlc are people who i've known through twitter for mm. And like other library stuff for quite a while, quite some time. Yeah, sure. So, if you were like new to that, maybe it would seem intimidating. Yeah, well, we certainly have a lot of food for thought uh, after yeah. the meeting yesterday and our yeah. know, talk here, and it's clearly 
a going concern. Yes. Uh, it's on people's minds and hopefully yeah. in the future we'll, uh, I don't know, stumble into some solution. Yeah. Uh, Utopia now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with an eye on the future, like, are you pessimistic, optimistic um, about the future of <laughs> your kind of job, uh, um, librarianship in general? Um, like, the UK obviously seems pretty <laughs> grim at the moment. Uh, everything. Yeah, everything yeah. sucks. Um, rainy fascism island. Um, no, I, I don't feel... I'm not... I mean, I'm not a very optimistic person anyway. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes feel like librarianship is sort of careering towards the edge of the cliff. Yeah. With the hands over it. So it's on a wider... Kind of in a wider sense. But no, I mean, I think with my job, I mean... <laughs> the one thing I would say about art librarianship is uh, like the tangible and like... Um, tangible print side of things is quite important so mm-hmm. on a on purely on that level i think you know people in these librarians i don't think like i don't think i don't think suddenly that we're all going to get taken over by robots i think we've got a while yeah I mean, i'm never going to be able to afford to retire so it would just be me and the robot when i'm like 90 i'm sitting yeah. at like an issue desk like you'd ride the robot around <laughs> oh yes <laughs> book steed yeah, yeah. yeah. get put me a, my book the saddle on it or <laughs> but um yeah no no i mean i uh, like I don't, I don't feel massively jazzed about it. No, but like I think, I I do feel that doing what I do, I, I like what I do, um, mm-hmm. and I'm lucky that I'm able to do something that interests me yeah. as a job, um, because it would kind of suck otherwise. Um, <laughs> and also I think, sort of knowing and being involved with things like Radical Librarians Collective and, um, like, like in terms of like art librarianship, like kind of and like zine stuff, and I think knowing people and like being mm. involved and like working with people and like even that, that kind of like collective like solidarity is is good and important and enriching and good for morale it is well. yeah kind of yeah it is get together have your bitch fests yeah and, uh, have a good whinge yeah <laughs> <laughs> whinge about changing the world but yeah. yeah no so so i do feel even though like mostly negative like it's not all it's yeah not it's all, all doom and gloom yeah it's not all terrible so, organizing yeah definitely yeah i think that's the way the way to go. Do it. Um, I'll do it. And just to cap things off, I guess, would you have any advice for a younger librarian or someone earlier in their <laughs> career? Um, something that kind of has clarified in your mind as uh, your career has gone on. Something you tell yourself. Something you've heard other people say. Um, I, th- I think. I think I've been really fortunate to have fallen into something <laughs> I, I I quite like and something that's very specific to my interests I'd mm-hmm. say like trying to I, I hate you know I think the idea of like do what you love is an absolute crock of shite you know no not everyone can do what they want like most people can um mm-hmm. but I think trying to like actively find things that you're interested in and that you care about if you can if you can kind of do that in your job it really helps it certainly helped me yeah um and again like find you find your people like um <laughs> like find your people like um you know i talked earlier about that like how i feel that like there are like art library people who i know really like respect like professionally and personally and, and like radical library people too and i feel like i have that kind of group of people and they're people who i've learned a lot from yeah um and taken a lot from and like i think that's the yeah i think that's the most important thing i'd say yeah, for sure. Yeah. Follow your bliss. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah not like a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but 
but yeah, just yeah, find find your people and yeah, work with sure. them and support each other. Yeah. Great. All right. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, William, for joining me, Siobhan. Thank you. And let's stop there. Thanks a lot to Tom and to Siobhan for that interview. Um, if you would like to check out some of Siobhan's artwork, and I would recommend that you do, I'll put a link up to her Etsy site where you can buy some really gorgeous badges and prints, so check those out. Um, another thing you should very much think about doing is submitting a paper for the ASL 2017 conference. The Call for Papers page with all the details is on our website, which is www.aslibraries.com. So we'd particularly like to see submissions from new or from first-time presenters, so don't be shy. Um, what have you got to lose? Submit a paper, um, get it in by the deadline, which is September 16th, and hopefully we'll see you presenting uh, on the 16th and 17th of February next year. Librarians Allowed is produced by Laura Rooney-Ferris, with music and editing by Michael Ferris. Yeah.